Hello, my warrior loves. Welcome to Beyond Body, a mini series where we are exploring body image and how to change the internal and external scripts that influence the way you think and feel about your own body. Subscribe and follow along to hear real life stories and experiences on the path to body image healing. Now, if negative body image is holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, listen up. This February, we are curating a small, intimate group of warriors for Beyond Body, a six-month body image accelerator program that brings together tangible practices you can call on for the rest of your life and an intimate group format for deep learning, healing, and integration. Now, we officially start in March, so February is the time to get your application in and get on a discovery call to see if Beyond Body is for you. Beyond Body is a safe container designed for women in their mid to late 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to do real, long-lasting work to improve their body image so this one precious life can be enjoyed more fully and freely. With the right approach, skills, and support, body dissatisfaction doesn't have to hold you back in your relationships and career. If you want to make this the year you do deeper body image healing work during the spring and summer months, request an invite to apply for Beyond Body at recoverywarriors.com beyond. Spots are limited, so get yours in now by requesting an invite to apply at recoverywarriors.com beyond. Today, I'm with Tiffany Folk. Tiffany is a cherished member of the Courage Club and goes way back to the very beginning when we opened doors in 2020. And I have had Tiffany on the podcast before in a show titled Breaking Down Walls and Letting People In. And in this show, she candidly opened up about not needing to do recovery on her own and how surrounding herself with support put her on a whole new path in her recovery. And today, we're here to talk about her body image healing journey. And I'm just so excited to have you here with us. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you. So let's just dive right in. At what age did you first become aware that your body was something to manage and keep small? What was going on in your life at that time? The first time I remember, I was about eight or nine years old. I was in elementary school and there was a little boy there. And I think maybe I was sort of developing earlier than like a lot of my friends. And so he made a comment about the way my hips moved when I walked. And I think that was the first time that I ever even thought about my body. And I know that kind of started, you know, with the baggy clothes, even though I had no idea what he actually meant. That's kind of the direction that I took it at that time. And at that time, I was just a happy go with kid. I didn't, I didn't care about clothes. I was a tomboy. None of that stuff mattered. So that was the first time that I think I experienced anybody making a comment that to me was negative. Now, that's interesting that you say it's negative because like he was probably saying it like, I love the way your hips move, but how that can be filtered in like, oh, wait, like this isn't what I like. This isn't the attention that I want right now as eight or nine year old girl. Right. Probably looking back. Yes. (laughs) He probably is flirting with you, which is like most boys stupid comments to girls. So at that point, were you so you were someone who was more curvy or developing kind of early on in like earlier in your life. So was that something that you felt you had to hide? Um, it was a challenge for me, but I don't think I really, really kind of hit me until I was about 11 or 12. And that's when I started being, I guess, picked on for my weight, for the way that I looked. Um, I looked different than all my friends. 
And so that's when I started realizing that my body was a problem. I didn't focus on changing it. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't around diet talk or anything like that. But that was the first time that I truly looked at my body. I was like, this is not acceptable. This is not okay. Hmm. So you like perceived that was an issue, a flaw, a problem. Right, exactly. And when did diet culture then come in for you? So at that point, you weren't trying to make your body small. You just felt that its size wasn't wasn't okay. Right. Um, We moved to a new town. I guess I was about 13 or 14. And it was a very, I was very isolated. It was a very small town. And I bought a workout video and my mom would do it with me. And we had a friend that would do it as well. And it was fun. You know, then I took it one step further and I began doing it instead of once, just like twice a day. And then the compliments, my dedication, my commitment, um, how persistent I was with this, all that stuff started. I started hearing all those compliments and that transferred to me as, okay, this is, this is what I need to be doing. This is okay. And that's what kind of started me down that road of, trying to make sure that I worked out all the time. I think back then it was like no carbs. Mm. That was back in the VHS days, right? The VHS <laughs> days. I can exactly. visit. <laughs> yeah. That was our childhood. Mm-hmm. Just pop the VHS yep. in again. <laughs> Hard to rewind those. <laughs> what was your biggest body insecurity back then and how has it evolved? Back then it was my hair, actually. It wasn't, yeah, it was, it was just, it was my hair. It was just different than anybody else. You know, I'm biracial and I was raised, I was adopted by a white family. All my friends were white. They all had the long flowy hair and I did not know how to do my hair. Neither did my mom. So I think a lot of being picked on that it was intertwined with how my hair looked. I remember it took me years, years to get it wet, like in front of people. Like I would avoid swimming, everything, because when my hair would get wet and then dry, it just was just a big fro. So I just avoided it at all costs. I wouldn't do it. So do you straighten it? Like, how did you, so you kind of had to learn, I mean, this is before YouTube. I mean, where did you even learn about how to work with your hair? <laughs> I still struggle, but um, <laughs> I went through, my hair was a big issue for me. I went through a lot with my hair. Around that time, Janet Jackson was pretty big. And I went to a hair salon. She's like, well, those are extensions. And so I ended up, getting extensions. That didn't work. I mean, it ended up, my hair broke off. I mean, certain parts of my hair were 18 inches, other parts were two. So then that took on a whole new, a whole new meaning to hair. I had to have all my hair cut off, you know, and then I went through like a wig phase. It's just been a process, but I'm finally at a point now where I just kind of accept it and I've learned how to better take care of it. Mm, Yeah. Because that's your natural hair. And I can see living like among people who have no idea how to work with your hair texture and and in your like school district that you were in or in your school, were there other women who looked like you or did you feel pretty different in, in that sense as well? Not that I remember. It was very isolated. And then when we moved, we moved to the country of an Eastern Kentucky, there was nobody. So, I mean, I was trying to use the products they were using. I was trying to, this is back when bangs were in. <laughs> so I was trying I was trying to do the whole bang thing, which really didn't work. But yeah, so yeah, there wasn't really anybody that I could relate to. Well, Tiffany, I can imagine how hard that was. You're trying to like do all the cool fads, like, you know, being the yeah. zebra, trying to be like, the, <laughs> like everybody else. Like, right. Oh, well, yeah. So it seems like now you're you're working with your hair on a whole new level though. Yeah, I'm finally comfortable with it. I have my days, but I'm comfortable with it. 
How did food and exercise tie into the way you tried to fit a body ideal? And how do you see it differently today? Um, Like I said, when I first got into exercise, and once I took it really too far, but I got into exercise and then people were asking me, you know, how are you doing this? What are you doing? All of a sudden I was looked at differently. I was talked to differently. The people that bullied me were now complimenting me. And so I think that in my mind, it just kind of led me to feel basically from then on that this is okay. Looking this way is not, you know, and I think that stuck with me for, I mean, it's still hard right now, but it's not like it was, you know, I realize now that's kind of their problem, not mine, but it still kind of set those early messages into my head and it just stuck there for years. Mm. Well, I can imagine too, if you're getting validation on it and like, if you felt like they were bullying you in other ways, like all of a sudden they're like, this is what we think is cool about you. It's like, okay, let me keep doing that. Like, let's make that my thing that I'm known for. I, was the video, I'm just curious, was it Billy Blinks, Tybo? Were you a Tybo kid? <laughs> it was It was Richard Simmons. Oh, yeah, Richard Simmons. Yep. Talk about hair. Talk about hair. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Like, I did Billy Blanks as well, but Richard Simmons was the start for me. Yeah, but he, you know, like he had a good hair. Had a, like, so in some way, you know, you had a role model. He had, yeah, he had the curly hair. Yeah, <laughs> embrace it. Well, Billy was bald. So he, he was, yeah. But yeah. I did him too, but yeah, it was. Yeah, that was, that was Richard Simmons. That. <laughs> Richard Simmons. He's got a lot of spirit, a lot of, a lot of uh, joy to spread. He, he does, yeah. I did not know we were talking about Richard Simmons today. (laughs) I still have that video somewhere. I don't have a VHS player anymore. I don't have the VHS anymore. (laughs) It's like archaic. How does anyone in your life make, does anyone in your life make body image healing harder for you? You know, I thought about that question and I'm my own worst critic. At this point, I've already separated myself. I've eliminated people in my lives that are negative and that are real into having to look a certain way. And I kind of avoid being around the diet talk and all that kind of stuff. So at this point, it's just me. I'm my own worst critic. It's got really nothing to do. I'm around positivity most of the time. So I really don't hear those negative comments anymore. It's just more or less the way I talk to myself. Do you ever externalize like a part of you or kind of say like, you know, that's that's my inner critic or like, do you have a name or like, that's my, I don't have a name, but yes. I mean, it's easier now at times to kind of step back, you know, because for all the years that I had, you know, with my eating disorder, I really thought my body was the problem. And I thought once I got to where I wanted with my body, the eating disorder would disappear. So I put all the focus on that. And I didn't really adjust that thought mentality until about six years ago. So that was, I mean, I was really trying to fight that or to get to that ideal, that perfection that, of course, I never achieved. But that was the direction that I tried to go. And that was all on me. That had nothing to do with anybody around me. It's such a common mental trap, though. I think so many people think that, like, once I get to this weight, I'll stop doing these behaviors. Mm -hmm. I'll stop purging. I'll stop restricting. And, like... I really thought that was it. I mean, I thought the cure to my eating disorder is getting the body that I want. And then it's just, like, it keeps putting you, spiraling you into the eating disorder more and more and more. It never happened. Yeah. No matter how I look, nothing changed. Kind of like a car when you're, like, stuck in the mud and you're like, if I just press the gas, like, harder, I'll get out of here, right? Like, and then it's mm-hmm. like, just puts yourself deeper right. deeper. What has having bad body image cost you? A whole lot of money. Um, I've had multiple plastic surgeries, tens of thousands of dollars that I've spent 
which in turn spending that money meant an obsession with working to get that money to begin with. Um, the focus on that, I guess, has been so extreme over the years that my exercise, my going to the gym, took precedent over everything. I would miss out on things with my kids, um, or I'd be exhausted because of lack of nutrition, but I was still working out like I was. You know, so memories, a lot of memories I felt like I've lost in just time with my family and friends, too, mainly my kids. Yeah, and you have, what, nine kids? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tiffany's. She's a mama. She's a big mama. Nine kids. My house is, it's, I've only got two left at home. So it's, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Have you ever had any like open dialogue with them about food and body or just to say like, yeah, to even say, hey, I know I wasn't there as much. I'm just curious how that process has been for you or like if you're kind of repairing it on your own in, in a way, not necessarily bringing them into the reparation process of now being more present, more focused on, you know, the connection versus the food, the gym. My oldest son, I think he re- he recognized more when I was when he was younger. Um, he saw more than what the other kids did. By the time the other kids came along, I was really good at hiding it, and so I was always there. I just wasn't there, mm-hmm. you know, mentally. But I have like with my daughter, she's fifteen, and she's gone through phases of body image and not liking the way she looked, and you know, wanting to change. And I think because of my history and my past. I tend to freak out over everything. Just I don't want her to go down the path that I went down. But she's pretty. I mean, I really instill in her that your body is fine just the way you are. You don't got to change for nobody. And she walks around with an extreme amount of confidence. I look at her and I wish I had that like that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's cool that you get to see that like being reflected because in a way it does show that. I mean, everybody's an individual, but I feel like as a parent, you can be a part of that process as well, like to see her shine. And in some ways it can can help you kind of build that own confidence and just be like, yeah, this is how a 15-year-old girl, like this is, <laughs> I, you know, I can't go back to my 15-year-old self, but I want to model this for her, for, you know, me at my age and knowing that this is something that's, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll be like, mom, I'm going to the gym with her friends. And I'm like, what do you guys do up there? We sit in massage chairs. <laughs> we take very long showers. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, it's more of a social thing for her. And that's good. It's good to be active, but she has it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what steps have you taken to repair your body image? A lot of therapy. A lot of therapy. Um, <laughs> once I started therapy, I realized relatively quickly that my body wasn't the problem. And I realized there was so much internally that I had to deal with. And as long as that wasn't fixed, it wasn't going to matter how I looked, you know? So we've done just a lot of exposure therapy, a lot of talk therapy, body image groups. Obviously I've been in the courage club before. So there's been a lot of different things that I, a lot of steps that I've taken. The biggest one is who I surround myself with, cutting out that negative social media, not following dieting, which is everywhere, but limiting it when you can has been really, really big for me. But just, yeah, therapy has been definitely, I think the biggest, the biggest help for me with getting to what's below wanting to change my body. Mm, yeah. Like the deeper roots of it, right? Like yeah, changing your body is easy per se. It's easy. You know, something's going wrong. It's easy to just, I'm going to focus on this. But it's really hard to dig deep to deal with the underlying issues, whether it's trauma or whatever it is. It's a lot easier to deal with things that you can 
physically change without having to do the mental part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The emotional part too, right? I feel like a lot of right, the, right, right. those stuck emotions are what, like when we say, yeah, like just focusing on changing the body is easy, but then I always find that big backlash that comes in is the emotions that are like, right. you know, and, and the and the physiological drivers. But it, yeah, it really is that mm-hmm. deep investigative process that allows the healing to take place and take root to grow right. strong. Are there any like practices that you have found to be helpful in doing that work for you in, in therapy? Uh, journaling helps. I do write, but for me, I'm very aware And so taking that awareness and literally stepping back, I mean, there's been a lot of changes here lately in my life. And I've noticed with certain things happening, my focus, I'll put it to the gym, you know, and in those moments, I'm able to step back and kind of analyze, okay, what's really going on? What do I really need right now? And being able to do that kind of helps me sort through those emotions and those feelings rather than just trying to fix something externally. What is something that you find that you need now that you're doing that practice of checking in with your needs that that surprises you or that like is helpful for you? Um, I mean, I still work with my coach and she kind of helps keep me accountable. And that's, I mean, she shoots it straight. I mean, I've been working with her for seven years. She knows me very well. And I think just being able to openly express what's going on and how I'm feeling and having her positive, real feedback has helped on those days that I'm kind of off-centered and don't know what direction to go. I mean, she always tells me exactly. She calls me out. That's great. I feel like you have that attitude too, though, like like kind of like take no shit. So it's good that you have somebody who also is like that because I think it's it's a good mirroring relationship where a positive quality in you. You know what I mean? Like a positive- <laughs> what, can I, what can I say? Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah, it it's is, a positive yeah. quality in you that someone else also mirrors for you so you get to like respect it, right? Because you can't really have a good relationship, I think, with someone who's you're going to do deep healing work with if you don't really respect them. Exactly. Like that's really hard. I, I mean, some people are probably, I don't know if you've had experiences where you've worked with someone, you didn't respect them. And you're just like, mm-hmm. this is not getting me very far. It didn't get me very far. It took finding that right person to actually make growth in this area. And sometimes you don't even realize you don't respect them until like after the fact. You're like, why was I so resistant? Or like, why did I just not really like feel the energy come alive when I was with them? It was because like, well, the energy just wasn't there between you guys. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What has come into your life more now that you're not so focused on judging and changing your body? A lot more freedom. I don't focus. I mean, I still, I have things in a perspective more. And so I'm able to really enjoy the time, you know, that I have with my kids going out, doing things with them. I'm not as focused. And when I go to the gym now, I mean, really enjoy it. I'm doing what I love to do, which is lift. I hate cardio. I don't do it. (laughs) You know, I do what I like. And it just, it's helped to kind of put things into perspective for me, I think more than anything, but just being more present. That's the biggest thing that I think I've noticed with my family. What do you like to do in the gym? Like, what's your favorite? Deadlift. Yeah? That's badass. Oh, hell yeah. So you like to feel your strength. Like, you like to feel that. Yeah. Heavier the better. The heavier the better. <laughs> we got to have good form, right? I don't know. Like- I do have good form. I have very good form. Yes. <laughs> awesome. What is your biggest body image healing milestone? This was hard. Let me tell you why. I thought about this one and... Definitely, without hesitation, would say the scale. Oh, yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, well. Oh, more to it. There's okay. more. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a well. <laughs> the scale, I think the last time we talked, which is around, it was around COVID, I had had a scale. You challenged me to get rid of it. I did. Have not had one in my house since. Last Thursday, my, my current therapist, tell you what happened. My current therapist um, was leaving her practice and she was going to a new, a new facility or whatever. And after we left body image that night, she says to me, I got something for you. I'm like, okay. We go back and she hands me my old scale. Fuck? But wait. <laughs> I was like, okay, go on. But, I'm not following. But I took the scale in there and I wrote all over it. Like just the way it made me feel. Okay, okay. Okay. And she, the first thing she said to me was it doesn't work. Okay, 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 okay. I jumped to the gun there. Okay. I said, okay. So, you know, like I said, I remember the day. This has been years ago. So she's had it for a long time. But I had written just all the way, all, all over the scale, just words that I think of when I think of what the scale does to me. Didn't think much about it. Came home <laughs> the next day. It was in my car. Took it in my house. And I was like, huh, let me just see if it works. And so I, <laughs> I took the battery out of my smoke detector, put it in my scale, and it works. Perfect. Yeah, this made me rethink the whole podcast, everything. I'm like, what am I going to say? It was, it really surprised me how quickly my focus turned to that. I'm like, this is so, because I mean, I, had, I was at the point where I knew I would never have a scale in my home again. Like that's where I was, you know? And so to be confronted with the situation where I had one, um, it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge because I was drawn to, I have a whole like ritual with the scale. Like it's, it's a big thing, you know? So it's been, it's been a challenge. Have you gotten rid of it? I, I don't, but the batteries are out of it. I'm going to get rid of it though. I okay. have to. Do we have, this is on air. This is on this air. This is on air. <laughs> I am going to destroy it. Okay. Can you like beat the crap out of it? <laughs> like, I have, you have a sledgehammer, so I might. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I do have a sledgehammer. How, that's interesting though, that our like interview time scheduled when this happened, because in some way it gives you this extra like accountability, like, you know, it's the like devil and angel on the shoulders. And that's really helped, honestly, because I'm like, I can't get on there and talk about my biggest milestone and I'm, I'm dealing with it right now. Like I can't. So yeah, that's, that's actually been very helpful, but yeah, I'm going to throw it away. It serves me no purpose anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, it is for some people more than others, but a, a lot of people struggle with eating disorder. Scale is, is just like an addictive substance, you know? And so let's say you're an alcoholic and someone just brings you like a fifth of whiskey into the house, like you're, you're in recovery. It's like, whoa, like how do I just have this here and not you know, engage with it? Right. It really bothered me that it was able to suck me back in that quick. Because I haven't thought about owning a scale like at all. It was just not something that I really thought was going to be ever ever be an issue again in my house. So to be faced with that and realize, okay, I definitely need to never own a scale. Was it good that it had all those things written on it though? Like was that is that like a helpful No, I just ignored that okay. stuff. No. <laughs> all right. Well, we are holding you accountable, Tiffany. You are going to get rid of that scale because Life has been better on the other side of it. I don't need it. That's so crazy that your therapist gives you back. I know that wasn't her intention at all. And I know she was moving, but I'm just like, oh, yeah. But it's pushing you. It's pushing you to new, to make new decisions again. And it also helped me to realize I still have work to do in this area. You know, so I'm kind of trying to look at it from that perspective. I'd hate to 
five years down the road, somehow be put in a situation where I'm dealing with the scale and then have a complete meltdown, you know? So it lets me know there's still work to be done there. That's one thing we talk about is like theory to practice to mastery. So like sometimes when we try to just like avoid something fully and just like cut it out, it doesn't necessarily like take away the actual charge or like what could be resolved if it was like people who are triggering to us. Like, yes, it's helpful to totally remove them. At the same time, when they come back, the trigger is still just like boom in your face. And so it's, it's a balance of like, yeah, that the boundaries, the self-protection, then also that true mastery is when you can be with that and be okay and like choose the path that's best for you, the decisions that are most in alignment with your recovered yep. self. And I took the battery out of the smoke detector. I mean, the back of my head, like if my house would have burned down, I would have like never forgiven myself. But that's the pull that it had. You know, I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, this is so stupid, but I still laid there, you know? And so, and I was going to buy into the battery, but they're really expensive, <laughs> especially in gas stations. So I wasn't going to do it, but, but yeah, the pull was just really, really strong. And I'm just like, this is not worth it. This is really messing me up mentally. It's affecting, it's got me wanting to switch up my whole gym routine, everything. Mm, yeah. And I was very content. Like once you haven't seen that number for so long. If you see it, it can, yeah, the number just starts to kind of sink in. So having to right. detach that you're not a number, that number doesn't define you. Yeah. What do you appreciate most about your body? I guess what it, what it allows me to do, you know, I'm 47. And when I go to the gym, the, the fact that I'm able, I don't have to go, I get to. And the fact that I'm able to lift like I do, you know, is a sense of pride. I lift more than a lot of guys do, you know, so sense of pride there and just being able to reach out whenever I want, hug my kids, play with them, my grandbabies, all of that stuff, you know, so it's more about what my body can do now versus no one's, no one's going to care about what my arms look like when I'm dead. It's not going to matter, you know, so just trying to kind of be present with them all right now and just take advantage of all the, the hugs. I'm not a big hugger, but I've got... I've, it's kind of growing on me a little bit. Letting the guard, letting the walls down. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I want to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you know that you, what is something you know now that you wish younger you would have heard when developing her beliefs about her body? Something simple and that's, it's okay. You're okay. You know, you don't have to fit anybody else's standards. Just be who you are. And if people are being negative towards you, they're not your people. You know, like I instill that. I try to instill that in my kids all the time. You know, just love who you are. There's only one of you. And I wish that I would have had a greater greater appreciation uh, for my body. You know, 25 years ago would have been great. But yeah, just don't give up. Keep fighting. Because it's, I don't know if I'll ever get to where I can wake up and like, oh my God, I love my body today. But the fact that I can appreciate what it can do is progress over perfection. What would you say to folks struggling to believe that they can be happy and healthy in their bodies, no matter what they look like? You have to be realistic. You know, I think when I first started working on body image, I wanted, wanted to get to where I could look in the mirror and love everything. And I don't care who, who you are. Most women probably don't do that, you know, but that was my idea of where I wanted to go. And it's baby steps. You have to start somewhere, you know? So for me, it's easier to focus on the function, what my body can do for me versus the way that it looks. Because the people that matter in your life, they're the ones that aren't going to care. And they're the ones that you want to be around, you know? So just don't give up. Uh, keep fighting for it. See a therapist. 
but yeah, surround yourself with people that have the same goals as you or that, that are like-minded like you. I think that that's been huge. It's really hard to sit there and fight against something when the people that you're around are constantly talking about the next diet fad or about how much weight they've lost or summer bodies or whatever. It's really hard to focus on loving yourself the way you are if you're constantly around that stuff. So choose your environment. Mm, Yeah. In the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is like one of the top books for habits building. And if you think about recovery as building new habits and ways of thinking, being and believing, he's like all about putting yourself in the social environments where people are building the same habits and you know, our, the mentality really does kind of blend and it's important who you surround your with, right. surround yourself. Exactly. Well, Tiffany, it's so great talking with you. And I love, I love your realism and how you are, you know, pragmatic about the process, but also just bring so many truths into what essentially gets one through, through the mess of recovery and out the other side. You know, and I think you said it really well, the list that you gave me, you were talking about, and I didn't read that till today. It would have helped if I would have read it earlier, but you said in there to be authentic and that it's not about a destination. You know, it's about the journey and where you're at. Yeah, I think that's such an important piece about recovery and in body image work, right? Is that, and anybody who who has come on Beyond Body, that was been kind of a little disclaimer. Like we're not trying to say like, hey, this is the land of unicorns and like fairy godmothers. Like this, what's the truth? And I love how you're able to speak your truth so authentically. And yeah, it is. It's it's an ongoing process. And as we age, I mean, there's just things change, bodies change, life changes. So how do we embrace that? Right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this, Tiffany. I I, I truly do cherish you and I appreciate your authenticity and, and all the work that you're doing. It shows and it's inspiring. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, well, lovely listener. Your body is a powerful and amazing instrument whose job is to carry you through this world and help you experience life. And so we are here for you. Subscribe and continue to follow this series and come join us on the path to body freedom and learn what it means to fully live in your body, regardless of your shape, your size, or the number on the scale. Go to recoverywarriors.com slash beyond to request an invite to apply for Beyond Body. This is our six-month body image accelerator program for middle-aged professional women with a history of an eating disorder. So once again, that's recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. We would love to connect with you close and a personal week after week for many months and many moons to do this deeper healing work together. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Mm